You're listening to Blood and Water, brought to you by the Field 2020 cohort as part of their Mesa Festival. Thank you for tuning in. Hello, hello, good evening, good day, good light, and welcome, welcome back to the final and the last part three of Blood and Water podcast. Now, we have been on an absolute emotional journey, exploring and dissecting the traditional values and ideals of family. Thank you all for tuning in once again and rocking with me. I am your host, Bexy Bex. I am a poet by purpose, dancer by daydream, and awesome by everything else. Obviously, if you were tuned to the last two episodes, we have been through an absolute like an absolutely amazing journey like we have explored what family is who family is to you why it's important the differences between familial genetics connections and honestly this last episode I think is going to be like the culmination of all of those and I have some amazing amazing brilliant 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 talented people with me I have four guests for you not three four guests with me today so I'm going to introduce them to all the first guest I have is Arda Iway she is a co-creator of Identity 2.0 she is a creative technologist digital co-creator of Blood and Water we also have Sabina Sabrana who is co-creator of Identity 2.0 she is a digital marketer and the digital creator of Blood and Water and we have Dr Becca Bland she is a campaigner journalist researcher and expert on family engagement she is also a founder CEO of the charity Stand Alone which is supporting those who don't have connections to their family which is absolutely integral to what we have going on this podcast mini-series and lastly but never leastly we have Ruben Arthur he is an athlete commonwealth gold medaler and a podcaster now before we delve into the beautiful minds of our wonderful guests let me tell you all once again a little bit about what we have in store for you and what we're all about blood and water is part of a wider collaborative event called Maysay Festival and it was produced by the amazing and multidisciplinary artist Lucine and dance artist Kimchi who are part of the 2020 Future Innovators of East London Dance. Again, as always, we want to give a huge thanks to East London Dance for helping to make all of this come to life. Blood and Water podcast miniseries consists of three jam-packed episodes infusing mindfulness exercises, great discussions and even an interactive creative task that we will be doing live as we are recording. Each episode tackles the traditional ideals of family with a unique question for each chapter and today my wonderful guests and I will be attempting to answer can you live without family? Disclaimer Due to the nature of the discussions, there may be some sensitive topics discussed, so please take precaution for any trigger points or when listening with younger children. Also, you will quite possibly hear some random sounds in the background as we speak. Do not be alarmed. This is part of the series and we will be carrying out creative tasks while we're chit-chatting away. And today's task is 
to doo -doo 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 -doo, to create a mini tapestry of a scene, moment, pattern or shape that reminds you of family or means family to you. As always, we kick off with a short guided mindfulness exercise. This is basically to give us a moment to hoosah before we enter these deep discussions. This mindful exercise for our last and final episode, we're going to do a stop exercise because it's the last episode. Makes sense. Um, and it's basically a meditation acronym. So the word stop, S-T-O-P, stands for Yes, I want you all to stand up and breathe. As you breathe in, feel your connection to the earth through your toes. T, I want you to tune in to your body. Lower your gaze. Scan your body and notice physical sensations or emotions. I want you to discharge any unpleasant sensations, emotions or feelings on the out-breath. So breathe in, notice and ground to the earth gather all those emotions and as you breathe out discharge any unpleasant sensations emotions or feelings as we breathe out through the mouth and I want you to keep breathing in hold and breathe out. Breathe in. Hold. And breathe out. Now I'm going to want you to continue this without my guidance. And as you're breathing in and out, I want you to observe. As you breathe in and out, I want you to lift your eyes and take in your surroundings as you breathe in and out observe something in your environment that is pleasant and something to be grateful for and appreciate its beauty as you breathe in and out and lastly on the last breath in possibility I want you to ask yourself what is possible or what is new and what is a forward step. And as you breathe in, I want you to think of this new step. Hold it. Visualize it. And breathe out through your mouth as you actualize it. and bring yourself slowly back into the conversation and I'm hoping you guys 
are ready to take our final step with us as we head into our final topic of this three-part series of Blood and Water podcasts. Blood and Water. Welcome back to episode three of the Blood and Water podcast. If you have been following this journey, thank you so much for sticking with us. And I'm sure you're just excited as I am to hear from our amazing guests once again. We are going to waste no time and we're going to jump straight into conversation with a brilliant woman whose accolades are just the tip of her iceberg. We have Dr. Becca Bland with us, who, as I mentioned before, is a campaign journalist and founder CEO of the charity Stand Alone. Dr. Becca Bland, how are you feeling today? I am feeling ready to talk to you about this fascinating subject. And thank you for having me on, like from the heart. I really appreciate the opportunity. No, thank you so much for agreeing to do this. Uh, the main theme of this episode is to just have a conversation and try to establish whether one can actually live without family. Mm. Um, and just to give like a quick summary to yourself and the audience, a little quick background on the previous episodes. Mm. Um, the guests and I, we spoke in detail about what is family, who is family, and why is family important? Um, so with those questions in mind, I guess, before we move on to the main topic, could you maybe provide from your point of view, what you would say family means to you and why it's important, if at all? Mm. I think that we can't live without the feeling of family and the behaviour mm. of family. I, I truly mm. think that those are the essential aspects to the human experience. And we all need intimacy um, with different types of people in our lives. Like, And so I think that family is really important. Um, the question I would have, which I think is probably the fundamental question of your festival, is that do those people mm -hmm. need to be biologically related to us? And do we seek mm. out that intimacy always with our biological relatives yeah most definitely because I feel like um in our previous conversations we we talked about how the traditional definition of family it only tends to cater to those who are directly related to you and the debate about blood and water came up discussing whether whether those without any genetical ties genetical genetical ties can even be considered as family mm. so um I know within your research you do like a lot of amazing work supporting those who don't have connections to their biological family. Mm. Do you think soul ties should play a part in like the modern definition of family? Absolutely. Yeah, I would I would absolutely say yes to that. And I think that um, when we look at society, there's an almost a hierarchy to our relating where those that are kind of mm. you know, either genetically related to us or legally related to us, say through marriage, are the people that we are seen to need to seek support and approval and love from, uh, you know, fundamentally speaking. And that's how we've mm. kind of become like very um, kind of almost obsessive around that definition of what family is. Whereas I think for many people in this country, whether they talk about it or they don't, then mm. other ties, other relationships, people that aren't legally or genetically related to them will absolutely serve as those people that they regard as family. And yet because of this kind of semi-hierarchical aspect to our relating in British society and Western society, and it's very hard to talk about the fact that people might feel that non-genetic ties are family. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I completely agree. That's amazing. Um, 
Yeah, I think um, also to just answer your question a bit more thoroughly, then um, for, for me, from my perspective, then I think that ultimately there's um, a sense that everybody is equal in, in life as well, that there shouldn't mm. be this sense of hierarchy um, yeah. in terms of how we relate to others in our lives. That for, for myself and for many other people, then, you know, no one role in life is more important than another. So, mm. you know, my friends are as important um, as my partner, as my um, children as my um grandparents yeah. you know and all these different and my even you know colleagues you know all these these types of people for me exist um in a much more lateral sense in life mm -hmm. and, and that forms family and different people come together in life even though they might not even know each other uh, and mm. act in that, <laughs> that feeling of family <laughs> yeah no definitely see this is why i love the caliber of guests that we have on this show and for you even joining because um i think in your research there's a term that you that you came across or that you brought to my attention because mm. um, previously I mentioned um, as I've stepped into my creative life more I've discovered this whole new soul tribe that that you're talking about like this brand new family that I never knew could exist yeah um, that have like show me more love and like I've had deeper connections with than certain biological families that I have to this day. Um, and I think the term was relationship anarchy. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I can definitely and, blah, blah into that in a moment. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, could you give us a bit more insight into relationship anarchy and what that means? Yeah, well, exactly. The way I've just set that, I suppose, what I said in my last question was setting up mm. the sense that we do feel a hierarchy sometimes as to who we should relate to and who's more important in our lives. Um, mm. However, that term, relationship anarchy, takes away the hierarchy and basically mm. says that every everybody is important and as important and that there's a kind of very lateral sense of relating with each person and so just because someone has a biological tie doesn't mean that they've got more importance in your life automatically um, and doesn't mean that they will also deliver the feeling of family to you automatically either so it's this mm. sense of almost kind of liberating where the love is and the love can spread between like lots and lots of different types of people in our lives different roles different relationships um, and so that leaves behind this idea then that the most important people in your life should be your genetically related family yeah. and kind of puts in position people like your soul family like your really your friend family like um mm. different types of tribes that we kind of interact with and relate to throughout our lives um mm. and just to say too this is an evolving process it's not like you kind of label your soul family <laughs> family and then you know automatically 50 years later that means that you will still feel that way about yeah. people. then i think what we have to understand is the feeling of family that that word family can change for us year by year day by day you know there's it's a very changing aspect of who we find that feeling from and the beautiful mm. thing about kind of i think relationship anarchy in that way is that you do have that understanding that different people bring different things to your life and that they but they're all equally very mm. important no definitely i completely agree and i love that um so would you just going off of that would you feel like the term family is more of a feeling akin to how happy is an emotion or do you think we okay that makes no sense uh, <laughs> i was saying like do you think family is more of a definition that can be described in words and should be labeled or more of a feeling akin to how happy is more of an emotion than a word Oh, I think family is a behavior. 
I really do. Mm. I think it's not something that I think it, the behavior creates a feeling and that feeling is hopefully of love, of um, belonging, of, of understanding and of, um, yeah, of, of happiness, of course, as part of it. But that doesn't mean that when we go away and we choose people, you know, to be our families that are kind of more chosen kin, doesn't mean that they're not going to present us with challenges either. Mm. So I, but I think the behavior of family is the kind of aspect of wanting to work through those um, things in, in a way that's like polite respectful understanding and loving um, and that's the kind of thing that I think we're never going to get away from is that all our relationships in our lives are going to challenge us and they're going to make yeah. us grow they're going to give us like different transformational experiences and so we can't get away from the pain I think the pain is often part of the love but I think we in choosing a different mm -hmm. type of family we can get through those experiences that may be more difficult with better communication and also more um, understanding of each other and empathy and that for me is the behavior of family of saying that um i will work through this with you in a, in a beautiful way in a way that honors the the connection and the kind of feeling that is there rather than this sense of like nobody has a voice because we're biologically related so it has to just work and there's no way that um, i'm going to talk to you about these things you know you just need to you know be quiet about them then I think that's that kind of you know that that for me i think defines the difference of the behavior of family yeah no i completely agree um would you say like is there an element of relationship anarchy that exists in your day-to-day -day life are there which which relationships um do you hold more dearly than biological was that an unfair Ooh. question <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Okay, okay. So a bit of an insight into my family life then. Um, yeah, I get, um, you know, I, I was brought up by my grandma predominantly. Um, and so I regard regarded her as a mother so yeah she was biologically related to me but she's now passed away um and mm -hmm. i have some biological ties that i enjoy like my cousins but they um yeah i don't know them as well as my really good friends who've actually known me now for longer than my parents you know brought me up so, you know they've known <laughs> yeah. me for like 18 20 years um and the fact that our relationships have lasted that long means that i've got a really strong soul connection to them that yeah. it's growing and evolving and becomes just more beautiful like every year that every every year that passes and I think we sit there and we acknowledge that we're very important people to each other and I think so yeah my friendships absolutely actually are the forefront of my soul family like they are really really important um, and then of course like you know at, at times I've had partners who've become also in that way um, too which I don't at the moment but that's kind of um, yeah an evolving piece of like what what um, yeah and also my colleagues, the people I've worked with at Standalone, like, you know, they in a certain way to me feel like family, mm. too. like they've built a charity with me and taken part in this beautiful, collaborative, creative project um, of changing the world with me. So like, it's very hard not to think of them as, as a kind of family as well. But, you know, all of these people work together. It's not like any of those people are more important than the others that, you know, my cousins are important in a certain way. Um, even though they yeah. might not know as much about me, my friends are really important. You know, partners are really important. I don't in any way kind of see any of them as kind of, you know, like the, you know, in, you know, in, in a hierarchy, if that makes sense, like they all contribute <laughs> beautifully to my life. <laughs> <laughs> I just have to say, Becca, that was so amazing. That was just so <laughs> lovely to hear. And I was just sitting there like, I, I've never had the vocabulary for how to like talk about how family relationships shouldn't just be like biological. And so I think it's really nice that like the kind of um, 
oh my god anarchism I found like and using that as like a vocab word I think is a really nice and it feels really like empowering to be able to have a framework or a, like a term to be able to use it and to apply to all the thoughts and feelings that I think we all have and we all feel but it's quite it, it, yeah it kind of gives it power once you kind of are able to articulate in a certain way um and so yeah I just thought that was it was just very lovely to hear what you had to say yeah thank you Dr. Becca Bland, thank you so much for your insight. Um, like this whole podcast series, we've been talking about these same ideologies, but we haven't really been able to pinpoint its essence. So to actually be able to grasp it and hone in on the terminology is exactly the kind of closure that we needed. Oh. Um, we're so grateful for your input. Thank you so much. I really just want to say um, that I really hope that it takes yeah. away some shame from all of this, because I think the underlying mm. factor is, is when we kind of feel that we have to, in some way, have a relationship with people that are very damaging or, you know, for us in our lives. And there's an amount of shame as to not having that sense of family in, you know, but hopefully yeah. I, I would hope in these podcasts and these conversations, it will relieve people of that burden that everything all has to work all the time and that you don't have a family if you haven't got biological ties then everybody absolutely has and it's within their power to build it mm, definitely especially in this certain climate it's it's very important that we start to relieve the stigmas that we've start to unlearn some of those behaviors yeah. and really just start enjoying people for people yeah <laughs> without all the labels yeah the labels uh, can go <laughs> yeah <laughs> throw them all in the bin for 2021 <laughs> <laughs> so um could you tell the audience where they can follow you where they can find a bit more information about your research and maybe details about your charity yeah absolutely so you can go to my twitter which is my most used social media um at <laughs> becca blandish um or you can type dr becca bland into twitter and i should come up um you can also visit the standalone website which is www.standalone.org.uk um, and if you also would like um, to read my articles I've written extensively in the Guardian about family and family life and so you can also google me and find my articles and more more blah blahing from me around <laughs> what family is and family isn't <laughs> amazing i don't think i can say thank you enough <laughs> so thank you once again doctor for coming on to this episode of blood and water and i am going to pick up a, a copy of the guardian as soon as i get off <laughs> i'm not in the guardian today just so you know. no, not today. <laughs> just google it <laughs> thanks so much really? i really appreciated the time to talk so thank you this is the blood and water podcast Thank you for tuning in. Dr. Becca Bland, thank you so much for coming. You had some brilliant points that I'm sure a few of our remaining panellists can touch and expand upon. So, so like, like the beauty of this podcast, um, Blood and Water, is that we have so many different guests and so many different perspectives, so many different professions, so many different walks of life so many different ethnicities that we can draw on so many different viruses I'm joking <laughs> <laughs> I'm keeping it on topic <laughs> coronavirus <laughs> no I'm just joking um, so many different things that we can draw upon so I think that's kind of like a, a metaphor for family so when it comes to family your family can be huge, it can be small it can be genetic, it can be built, and there's so much you can draw from from different people. So once you draw all that energy, 
and like you have all of this um all of this love all of this being all of this understanding all of this sense of power can you actually live without family and if you don't have the so said power and love from a traditional family does it even matter so that's the question that we're going to try and explore today like for me i think like i've said throughout this whole series like i'm from a very community based family 511 cousins everyone was an aunt and an uncle even if it's your mother's best friend's uncle's sister they were still your auntie or your uncle um but like my biggest relationship was with my father and that was where i drew a lot of my ideals my morals all of my understandings about family from and then when he when he passed away in 2005 a lot of that was ripped away and i was like that's my family like he was the nucleus a family is the nucleus and then you build your cousins and your aunts around it with the electrons and the nucleus was ripped out and for a long time i thought we cannot live without a family but then i had to redefine what a family actually meant so i want to pose to you guys do you think or have you been in situations where you've had to live without family and still been able to carry on or do you think like you need family regardless of whether it's blood or water we can go one by one um, um yeah i'll start then i guess um i guess it really does it really does depend on how you define your family um because i i do think you can live without um you can live without family but then you're going to need that kind of support you're going to need to find that support elsewhere whether that's in friendships or relationships or whatever that might be that that support that family brings you and the, the feelings and just being able to have your own comfort um and be your like be yourself i think you kind of need that energy coming from somewhere and sometimes it is the case when your actual family doesn't provide that but they provide support and then your your friends or your relationships then provide you the you know you can be your authentic self there and some people need both to coexist and some people only need one and it's really dependent on who you are as a person i think like and just like how you want to live life mm-hmm. um i don't know if that answered the question <laughs> but that was what was on my head <laughs> no definitely that's the whole point <laughs> forget the questions stay what's on your mind <laughs> yeah like it's interesting that you said um even if you don't have family you can still turn to friends that give you the support that family brings you so maybe that takes us all the way back to step 1 to like what do you guys because you went in the first episode what would you describe as family like what is family is if someone is giving you that support that family brings you would you then describe them as family or how would you define what family is from your perspective anybody 
Uh, I think uh, I kind of agree with uh, the lovely Dr. Lady said before, Dr. Becker said before, in that I think families, I think we've all grown up with a certain idea of what family looks like, and that's based on like literally people we are related to. And I think that's a really uh, ingrained definition in like us and society and like legal systems. So it becomes really difficult sometimes for us to like um, kind of detach ourselves from that. And mm. so even when we are asked, okay, what is family? What is when we, how do we define it? I think our instincts is always to go back to, you know, it's, it's literal relationships that you are related to by blood and by DNA and so even like undoing that and undoing like the question, so even to pose the question like what is family to you, you already know that like the definition we have isn't good enough. And so then we have to rethink like is family even the term we want to use when we're describing the other kind of support systems and the other support networks and relationships we build up? Like is that strong enough of a word or does that, I just don't think, Sorry, I don't mean to be like it's a bad question. I just think in it, when you're kind of thinking, taking a little bit of a step back from it, I just think there's like better words to describe those other relationships. We don't necessarily have to be like, that's our family. Because I think like those relationships as a relationship is strong enough. We don't need to constantly compare it to our family relationships because we're putting that in a hierarchy of being like family relationships is the ultimate relationship that we can have and that we can want. And we're saying like, well, a friendship isn't as good as a family, but that's us putting that hierarchy on it. And so I would question the need to describe every relationship as a family relationship to begin with. Yes, exactly. And that's what we were getting at. And that is amazingly beautiful put. Like, honestly, we were talking about um, whether um, you can have families that are not blood related and friendship related so the fact that you made that definition completely illustrates the point of the whole blood and water podcast amazing you're listening to blood and water um do you guys um any of you in the panel do you have family members that you were close to that you've lost have you had any bereavements that have um affected you within your familial relationships, whether it's genetic or um, Ruben. Um, yeah. So when I was um, when I was nine, uh, I lost my father. Um, he had some heart complications and stuff. This was in two thousand and six, so it's quite a while ago. Um, mm-hmm. And that whole experience for me, um, it allowed me to go through the process of redefining what family is and what it means and how important it it can be and how important people in the wider um, community, I guess, are as well. Because, you know, like you were saying about your dad, it's a very important figure in your life, especially at quite a young age. Um, Especially for me as a boy, you know, having someone to look up to. Um, And when you realise that people, regardless of their importance in your life, can disappear and do disappear and often for no reason, uh, you start to look at the people who are left a little bit differently. And so I don't, I'm, I might be uh, alone in this, but I don't look at everyone that I'm related to as my family. Everyone that I'm related to, I'm just related to them. Like those are my relatives, which is fine. Um, and we can be civil. We can, I can even enjoy them. They can enjoy me. But it's not everyone that I get to call my family. I think for me, I have found my family and I keep finding new family and it's an ever evolving 
organism of, of people that, you know, they, they come and some people they leave um, for reasons. It just depends on the needs that you have um, at that moment in time or what you're, like um, like we said earlier, who allows you to be your most authentic self or one of your authentic selves in whatever context that you're being. So I think it allowed me, like the whole experience that I've been through, obviously it's, it's not the nicest experience. I'm not telling people to, you know, go and lose their family members to have to go through this, but it definitely was an eye-opening experience because otherwise you go through life with the, a very weird relationship with family because you're like, I don't feel as close to some of these people as I'm told that I should do. And then you start to feel odd about, you know, oh, well, maybe there's something wrong with me or maybe there's something wrong with them or us. Like, we're not compatible. Like, why are we not this compatible? And like the people I've met two years ago, three years ago, a year ago, a month ago, I'm more close with them and can be more genuine with them than people that I'm supposed to, you know, be able to, I don't know. I don't know what the, the illusion of family is, where it's like people think that we're supposed to, I don't know, be able to mind read and whatever. Um, that's not the case it's not the case it's just going to be people in your family you don't get along with or it's going to be people that you get along with better who you aren't genetically related to but that's fine um, and that's that's the journey that I've been on so far and that's the journey that I'm going to continue to go on um, as I as I go through life oh my god I love that I was waiting for like some more that was just like a tick moment <laughs> um, no, that, was, that was so eloquently put could I add on? Could I add on? Yes. Add on? Yeah, of yeah. Um, yeah, and I think what you're saying, uh, Ruben, is, is really spot on. And I think, like, when you come from a really big family, so I come from a, a very, very, very big family, um, it means that you have loads of different cousins as well that you're actually related to. But there's some cousins I haven't seen in, like, six, six like, seven years. And it's actually very funny stories of me not recognising them on the street. But that's not what this podcast is about. Because, um, <laughs> you know, people grow, like... Oh <laughs> Wait a minute. Last time I saw you, you were seven, and now you're a grown man. Um, <laughs> so you just, like, it's like you, you're related to these people, but then you're not going to be your complete self of these people because you don't see, you, you don't relate with them on that level, like, personally. Um, and I think then the idea of family gets really hard when you come from a big family because you're like wait, I need to be a certain way with every single one of you, but that's just not possible. Um, and I also think like, and I think what Sabina was saying was also right in terms of how we've grown up to believe what family is and the idea of what family is. Because then that, like, even me thinking about thinking about it, it's like, okay, I actually have to redefine it. But every time I think of family, I think of my actual family. And then even though I have friends who are like family to me, like this when you hear that word you kind of just for me at least I just think about my actual family um and one last thing and then I'll stop talking guys is <laughs> um something else is like you will be a different version of yourself with every different people that you meet so like you are one way with your family but that doesn't mean that's the best version of you that's just the version you are with your family you can be a different version of your friends and that's also okay, or a different version to your, with, by yourself. And it's for you to decide which kind of version you like, or like which one that, you know what I mean, that you feel more free with, I think, like more comfortable with. Um, and just off that, I think 
uh, like all of us come from typically like larger families because you know we're we're not white, so we probably have a different idea of like families compared to people who are listening to this. No, like I'm not. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Did somebody say three, that's... two, one? <laughs> but we all come from large community-based yeah, families, and right. like, and like, I think a big, big part of that, like, is our parents and like older generations' understanding of what family is, and we have to kind of navigate that being either first or second generation immigrants and being like. Well, like you kind of look at other people and people who are from other backgrounds from you and you kind of are like, oh, well, you're not that close to your family. Do I have to redefine what I'm like with my family? But then also I'm trying to at once uphold like the sense of community and sense of family and sense of that being like a core part of who you are Mm -hmm. as as my parents see it. But then I kind of I'm moving through my life and I'm trying to reshape that, redefine that without upsetting like my parents, do you know what I mean? Like I feel like for a lot of uh, people whose parents or grandparents or them themselves were born in other countries and then come to move to England or other westernized countries, navigating that is really difficult. And I think us for in this call will have a different definition of families to what a traditional English family might look like, even though that in itself, I hate saying that traditional English family, that doesn't really mean anything. But I think you like, we all have a different understanding of that. And I think that perspective is also really important when we're talking about families because all of our families just in this call are going to look really different, but also to what is normally portrayed in media and in books that we all read growing up is also going to look very different. So I think that has a big impact on how we define family. Mm. (laughs) I love that thumbs up at the end. (laughs) That was so perfect. Um, No, I I completely agree with whatever you're saying like that made a lot of sense and you threw my whole point off sorry you made so much sense i'm like do i even want to talk anymore i'm like i should should just like send you my invoice (laughs) um so like if we go back to um if you go back to the like the title of the podcast um can you live without family and if we're talking about there's this thing where we're all from a community-based family. Um, sometimes they're not always the best family that they can be. Um, so I want to pose like a two-part question. One, do you have friends that you consider as family? And if you do, if those friends were to depart from your life would they be as detrimental and hurtful to you them departing as a typical definition family member in quotes would be it's a very loaded question (laughs) i'm just gonna say friendship breakups are really hard like yeah yeah oh my god friendship breakups People don't know about this enough. She told me I was soft. I was like, I was like, no, you heard me. Um, I I guess I'll start because I started rambling anyway. Um, I do have friends that are family, and I think a lot of people have friends who feel like family to them. 
Um, and I think definitely they would feel the same way than if somebody from your family departs because you consider this person as family. You put them, the, the emotions that you have towards them are similar to the emotions that you would have for your brother or your sister or whatever. Um, I think like it is different. It is, of course, will be different. Um, and the pain might be like, you know, different as well. Um, but you definitely will experience a lot of pain because friendship breakups are not very nice at all. And then, then if you loop back into your like overarching question of can you live without family? If we are saying that family is what you've defined it to be, then no, because you kind of need that. You need to have a, a support, whether it's one person, two people, I don't know, whoever that, however many people that you have, and um, you need to have that kind of body of support or kind of that body of love that you have that you have when you consider family um in your life and so i would say no okay i'm done <laughs> um i think we're all going to be in agreement here i don't think there's going to be any surprises there that um you can't live without family whatever you define it as so if that like like i said if that means that, you know, it's your friends that you deem to be like family, then of course, when they leave your life, it's going to hurt. Um, it's going to feel a way. Uh, often, uh, your friends kind of know you in a very, I don't know if it's a, a more intimate way, but a different way than your family members will. There's certain things that you might not want your parents to know that your best friend might know. Uh, for example, there's certain places that you said you're going to, but you're not really going there. You're going somewhere else. And like things of that nature. Um, we all do it I know definitely I do I'm not going to try and put you underneath the bus but I definitely do things like that um, so oftentimes there's things that you know my mum doesn't know about me that my boys do or like they might understand me in different contexts and see me in different environments and so if those people or those kinds of people leave your life you now have a hole to fill that is that shape as opposed to you know if your mum or your brother leaves you you have a different shaped hole to fill um, so no uh, I, I do think that it will be just as devastating, if not more so, to lose certain friends. Um, and I don't think you can live without family if that's the family that you've chosen. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think it also, like, hitting on something Arda said earlier, and that you also kind of, like, both of you have hit on, in that you present different versions of yourself to different people, and that you form those different relationships. So it would almost be like if that person was to no longer be in your life and that person that you were with when you were with them would also no longer be there. You wouldn't have, you wouldn't be that part of yourself anymore. And I think that's like, I think that is just as devastating no matter if they're blood related or if they're not. Me and my chest, bro. I'm like, I miss that part of you, bro. <laughs> I was about to start singing a Bone Thugs and Harmony song. I'm like, boom, 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 boom. <laughs> you can do that we won't judge no that was amazing like I feel like I feel like everything worked in synchronicity because it kind of wrapped up the last two episodes that we've had and everything that you've said just kind of like touched on the negatives and the positive points from one and two and just kind of like wrapped it up into everything that makes sense yeah blood and water so ultimately i think 
what we're saying out of these three episodes, family boils down to not only genetics, but is a part of um, is about being part of a support system. And I think in this particular episode, we're all in agreement that there is no way you can live without family. However you define family as, whether it's via genetics, your cousins, your brothers, your uncles, your family, your codies, your soul tribe, or whatever. The fact that a human, a human needs to have support and reliance and compassion and an interaction with one another you cannot live without that and that is basically what family and whatever definition brings to you but that is just my two cents um so i want to say a big thank you to all of our guests for coming and sharing all the amazing words with us and their minds and their beautiful words so it has been an amazing day full of brilliant guests and we have two amazing talented guests with us today and they're going to tell you just a little bit more about the wider festival known as Mesa Festival which is part of the Blood and Water podcast curated by the wonderful Lucine and Kim Chi. So they have created an installation which comprises of three main parts an audio visual and movement space and they're going to tell us a little bit about what it consists of and how they came up with it so who wants to kick it off what is this all about what can the audience expect when they come and see this installation All right, I'll start. Um, <laughs> Either one. Yeah, so um, Sabina and I are the digital curators of the exhibit. And um, it will ultimately be a website, so there'll be a link. But um, you'll be able to go through a journey of different um, medias. So you'll experience soundscapes, you'll see videos. There'll be interactive points um, taking you through um, the idea of a family. Uh, what that means and also challenging you to redefine what you see family as and Selena do you want to give a little bit a little bit more yeah sure it's kind of like different scenarios Um, so for example looking at a dinner table but then there's also parts that are kind of the more um, subjects which are a bit more sensitive as well and so just as we've been doing during this podcast and we've been questioning each other and we've been kind of encouraging this conversation to move on, we really want to do the same thing with this digital exhibition as well. And we just hope that it kind of provides you a space that you feel comfortable enough to be able to question uh, things in the same way that we've been able to do here, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and just to wrap it up, like we'll be taking Lucene's and Kimchi's vision of what it would have been in a physical space um, and translating that into a digital space in this COVID era. <laughs> so everyone can experience it. And there's also a chance for the audience to get involved. It's not just about, you know, you're going to go to a website and just read a bunch of things. We really want this to be an interactive experience and to kind of compensate for the physical space that we aren't able to have due to current world circumstances. And so this is still going to be kind of like a two-way conversation between us and the audience 
Um, and so, yeah, we're excited to see how people react to it, what people take away from it and their thoughts and feelings, you know, change the minds, change the world, casual, casual. Uh, that, that's the big aim of this exhibition. Um, but yeah, we're really excited to put it together and then give it to the world. I mean, can, can I just ask, have you guys done anything like this before, like in terms of like audio, visual and movement? So, um, so Anna and I are the co-creators of Identity 2.0, which is a, um, it, it, what is it? It's an arts project about digital identity and data protection, basically. So like how to discover who you are online and how to protect yourself. And this year we launched our uh, digital exhibition um, which had lots of different things in it, such as audio, visual, and things. Ada, do you want to say things? Yeah, we had. <laughs> yeah, we had. Um, I love the chat box. She said yeah. things. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the things we had a chat box and um, that you could interact with, which was like a home assistant but tells you the truth. Um, we had movement on the screen. So we used lots of hypnotic visuals to get people curious and to actually click next and keep them engaged throughout all the different screens. Um, we had moments of um, audio as well. Um, so yeah, we, we tried to keep, we tried to mix it up with all the different kind of medias we could use and then like form submissions or so getting people to let us know their thoughts as we're going through the different screens as well. And we had memes. Oh yeah, we had memes and gifts, right? Of course. Oh wait, you should have started with that. How did you not start with memes and gifts? You would have had me in the first half, to be honest. And and we had um, some surprise, some surprise gifts and memes. So like, if you were on the exhibit, there was like towards the end, um, we had this like little YouTube video that you would only find if you hovered over a certain area, and it was like this video that was just like congratulations, and it was great. <laughs> I love the way that he sounds Ghanaian. <laughs> it was. It was a YouTube video of a Ghanaian man saying congratulations. And that's that's it. what you got. I love it. I love it. <laughs> oh my god, so like I'm now I'm fully excited for this festival. Like I'm ready to see this installation. You're tuned into blood and water. You guys are amazing. Thank you guys so much for being such beautiful, wonderful and open and inviting guests and letting us into your mind and into your experience and into your life story and for sharing so much of your soul with us. So I have had a chance to stalk you on Instagram, but our listeners have not. So do you want to individually tell us or where we can find you, what you're doing next and just like plug your social medias one by one. All right. Um... So in case you guys forgot, I'm Arda. And um, the social media handle I'll give you is for Identity Printer just because, you know, we're trying to build. So it's at Identity2 underscore O. Um, and right now, yeah, we're working on um, some interesting projects that will be announced soon. I don't want to give anything out of the bag. Um, but yeah, that's me. Uh, yeah, so I'm Savina. Um, kind of, you can also find me at identity two underscore. I'm also going to plug our new website because that was uh, it's newly released. So that's www.identity20.org, um, and there you can find all the things we've worked on, um, ways you can work with us, 
and just some fun stuff we've been making basically uh so check it out and no exclusive you don't want to tell us what you've been making or it's like so I'm many things that would be a whole nother podcast episode i can't do that <laughs> to you guys you guys have been listening so well so far guys i'm trying to make like my breakthrough podcast career here if you don't give me exclusives how am i guys gonna make it just have us for another episode for something else. We maybe Ruben. Maybe Ruben has something in under the belt. Yeah, maybe Ruben has the exclusive. <laughs> um, thank thank you for, for just putting all that onus on me. I really appreciate it. Um, but yeah, as as uh, both Arda and Savina have said, I'm Ruben. Um, my Instagram is Rubes with three W's. So R-E-W-W-W-C-S. Um, Instagram and Twitter, same handle. Um, I'm also working on a narrative podcast, uh, which is a sports-related podcast. So you find that at the Narrative Pod, um, and that's that's it for me. Unfortunately, I don't have any exclusives for you either. Um, but what uh, what Savina said is true. Like you know, if you want to get some exclusives, you got to get a whole new pod for that. You got to get us again. You know what I mean? I mean, you lot are really trying to make me work hard, isn't it? You're trying to make me earn that's my right. wage. Like, right. What is this? What is this? Oh yeah, also, I've um obviously while we've been talking. Uh, I had my little tapestry that I've been working on. So I did, did my thing. I, I took oh, off the, the top of the toilet and glued it together. It doesn't actually quite oh. as a bag, but it does its thing in it. It does its thing. Cute. Honestly, it's a little man. Um, I don't mind as well. But actually, now I don't. I don't. I can't go after oh, that. No, you can't go after that. Go on, do it. 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 Do the whole thing was thinking about family, right? So I have all the different things right next to each other because families all have different personalities, but they're all bonded together. Thank you, guys. Come on, come on. Come on. In depth. In depth. The brain. The brain there. Yeah. <laughs> That's some big brain thinking. 100%. 100%. Um, so, yeah. My tapestry is not available at the moment that will be an exclusive <laughs> exactly thank you sabina you are my person i got you love you and of course guys if you want to see all of our tapestries you can see them online if you follow at t-h-e-f-i dot e-l-d and make sure you follow east london dance and also our field producers the amazing the wonderful the talented they cannot happen without them, Lucine and Kimchi. So at L-I-S-F-O-R-L-U-C-I-N-E and at K-I-M-C-H-I double underscore L-E. Make some round of a noise for those and our guests. Thank you guys so much for coming. Thank you. Blood and water. This, this has been an amazing experience. I feel like um, I feel like I've connected with each of the guests on different dimensions throughout the three episodes, and it's really helped me to like reflect on my own personal experience with the definition of family. Um, for me, family will always be a backbone of my existence. 
and it will control a lot of my life decisions. Like my father, he gave me a definition of family that always stuck with me. He said, family is is like an atom, regardless of blood, creed or color or relationships, familial or lovely. He said, it's an atom. So whoever is in your nucleus is your core and your extended family is the electrons. And that's how I kind of like place people in my life um especially when it comes to like family because like blood family like I fell in out with a lot of them and a lot of them got me angry and as a kid whenever I got angry my father he always taught me to to take a deep breath and count backwards from ten nine so maybe it's no surprise that nowadays I always seem to be like I'm one step behind. It's as if I eight, seven, if it really is on earth as it is in heaven, I wonder if the heavens spin anti-clockwise around hell like six, six, six. How do I turn this wine back into water? How do I breathe your laughter and make smiles from your footsteps? Have you ever seen a rose bleed to death from its own thorns? How do I reconnect to your fifth dimension when it's made of broken liquids? How do I make arms long enough to hug all four corners of my commitments when when I can't even commit to your memory? You see, like when it comes to the anniversary of your death, I don't really feel like I want to talk about it much let alone write a poem every single year. But it would appear that today it lands on Easter Good Friday, so I figured, what better time to resurrect you? I have to admit, in the past, there have been times where I've actually forgotten the date, which really makes it sound quite rotten, but considering the state that I was in when they first told me that you passed away, I mean, like, it was mid-morning on a Sunday and there were just... There were just so many people packed into this four-bedroom house that by the time I had sifted through all of the crying and the confusion and lifted masks of the ones that were lying and using this news to feign their affection for us, I didn't know whether it had been 12 hours or 11, but it really took that second for everything to come to a complete standstill and for the news to actually sink in. So now often... I make a goldfish of your memory and I cherish the five seconds where for a moment I forget and I think you're alive and sitting with me. I can still feel you as if you're sitting next to me, dear father. I'm scared to speak to him, but so easily my voice is lost between these frequencies. I'm the type of person I rarely ask other people's opinions for fear of replacing mine with theirs for fear of having their stares pour into me and my independence forced out of me as if it were water in glass jars being held under open taps. It feels like I'm like I'm wrapped in this backward tide. Have you ever known the tide to take its instructions from the sun? And have you ever sung with your neighbor's tongue and felt their sound waves on your fingertips? Ever felt their pain in your wrists? See, these wrists, these wrists are so limp that 
I don't make it all the way through your Instagram story sometimes. These arms, these arms, they barely make it halfway out of the duvet at times. I feel like my mind, it rests in bed sheets that are made of metal cotton and I'm continuously dreaming of falling and at night I fall into you and falling into you feels like leaning on marshmallow walls, relying on elbows that know nothing of funny bones. Which is quite frustrating because I'm pretty much the most funniest person that I ever know. I swear, like, on my good days, on my good days, I feel like I can exist on two planes. In that matrix, I am both Morpheus and Agent Smith. I am that blue pill that you read about. On my good days, on my good days, my thoughts are very tactical. There's this magical geometry in the way my brain lays it out and maps it all into this picture-perfect kind of beautiful. But a picture can tell a thousand words and some of those words, they shape my bad days and these words, they catch shadows that I dance with behind these bars. It's like contraband. My hand is too small to fit the size of my palm and the destinies with which it holds. Cradling my bad days on my bad days, my thoughts get quite theatrical. A heavy pain is buried deep inside my clavicle, making hunchbacks of this dame so it's easier to shield my shame and hug my ugly a little bit tighter. On my bad days, I feel empty and in 2020, these bad days, these bad days, they come so often that I don't even have them anymore. I just have good days and normal ones and on my normal ones, I tend to question everything that's good. For example, my ex. He used to give me butterflies every time that he would sing me our song but I couldn't help question maybe these butterflies were never yours to give where did you steal them from these bad days they come so often that I don't even have them anymore I have good days and normal ones and I'm a normal ones I tend to question everything that's good for example happiness I mean they say happiness is a choice but if happiness is a choice then when did I choose to be sad if happiness is a choice then when did mine become a lost voice on a ballad that I did not vote for or programmed into a device that I do not have the remote for? If the happiness in a user can be created or configured, if a family can be created or, or configured, then when did depression become my default setting? This podcast is programmed as part of Mesa Festival, a week-long multi-arts festival that aims to engage young artists, elevate underrepresented voices, and provide a seat at the table for those without them. It is produced by The Field, a unique program from East London Dance to develop the future innovators of dance, equipping them with the skills and resources to make their ideas happen. Thank you for listening. Thank you.